HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Let's eat in. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and we're at Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. Um, today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods uh, Market. Check out WholeFoods.com. And uh, speaking of food, we have a couple of people today with us who know a bit about that. We've got Robert Sitzma, food writer. Hey, hey thanks so much <laughs> for being here. My pleasure. Uh, you might just want to lean into the mic. Uh, yes, there we yeah. go. Okay. All right. So, um, how are you doing? Pretty good. You've been eating a lot of pizza lately. Uh, who can help eating pizza? It's like everywhere. Yeah, I've been trying to hunt down the dollar slice places just as a public service. There's like probably a dozen of them around town now, and they don't have publicists. What's Okay, let me get into that <laughs> right after I uh, introduce my next guest, who happened to be hanging out here at, by the campfire, <laughs> drying out your shoes. because you. Tell them the story. Yeah, what? Uh, you stepped? I, stepped, I stepped in a bucket on accident when I was getting down from a bench. Okay, so that's Ben Flanner. And so when, uh, I saw, when I saw him was, walk by the fire here at uh, Roberta's, where they was, have a big bonfire. That's a horrible introduction. I'm his sorry. Foot, his shoe was off and his foot was up and his foot was steaming such that one of the waitresses came out to see if he wasn't like hurting himself. He was all a mess. That's just all right. Try, just trying to be creative. Very good. <laughs> What are you doing here anyway, Ben? Are you just hanging out? Um, yeah, I was tending to some seedlings out in the back in the greenhouse. How are they doing? Good. Yeah, um, it's. We just got them in. They're just they're just starting to poke through. Not much germination yet, but weather's been perfect. It's been like 80, 85 degrees in those houses. Cool. So, as you um, pointed out, it was heated by the effluvia from the uh, the cold room, right, or from the walk-in. Yes. Yeah. So they're really conserving energy there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's a telling sign that spring is on the way. People are getting their feet uh, <laughs> soaked in buckets because they're farming <laughs> and tending to seedlings. It's the warmest day so far this this year of 2010. Yeah. And uh, so, Ben, you're. Um, I should mention that you are one half of the farmers of Rooftop Farms, and um, new projects to come here at Roberta's and elsewhere. Um, so. 
why don't I get back to that pizza thing? So, Robert, you were eating pizza not for a story for Village Voice, were you right? But just for public service? Well, it's going to be in the blog, of course. I mean, okay. no one does anything without blogging about it. So I just, and it's an excuse to ride my bicycle around town on these warm afternoons. So, and eat pizza, too. So these places, they serve pizza for a dollar. The pizza runs from being just awful to being really quite good. Yeah, I can so, imagine. Yeah. There'd be a so, huge range. Because pizza doesn't have to be that expensive, but the typical neighborhood pizza parlor is, you know, 2 to $3 a slice now just for a cheese slice, so it's natural that... Uh, oh, I love seeing the people out around the bonfire right in front of uh, us here. Isn't it great? Yeah. It's the perfect night for that. What do you think the food costs are on a $1 pizza slice? Well, that's a good question. I would say that probably a couple cents for the... I would say that the cheese is probably the most expensive thing, but I bet you could get in... At 15, 15 to 20 cents a slice, you know, to make to make pizza because it's really just, well, Kathy would know better as the home cook. Do you make pizza at home? All the time. And, uh, you know, as many people know, you can go to nearly any pizza parlor in town and ask to buy a crust. And they'll sell you a crust for two, $2 or as much as $5, I hear, from certain places. I don't know about $5 so far, but I can see it. But, yeah, certainly you can ask for um, unbaked pizza dough and they'll give you a, whole, a pie's worth for right. a couple and dollars. Right, one of those and balls then, that they use to make the pizza out of. They'll just sell you that and yeah. you can go home. And yeah, $2 is the standard price in my neighborhood. Yeah. What's in the crust? It, it's just, it's a yeast dough. risen crust. And they already ris- ro- yeah. rose it for uh, arisen. you? <laughs> <laughs> already arisen. It sounds like the Jesus Ready of pizza crust. basically. It's push the rock the aside and come out. Come out of the Because you know these cave. pizza places, they have a million pies that they're ready to stretch out they're just yeah. constantly rotating that's the one less baking. pie they have to exactly. do yeah no they exactly. love it they don't care it's just and they like, probably just put the money in their pocket it's like a tip totally. it's kind yeah. of yeah it's the it's the crust that fell off the truck yes yeah exactly and, and you know once that's two dollars you spend a few i mean you can even just make a focaccia and um just slather some oil on it maybe some herbs press your fingers in those cute little dents in it and there, there you go and get some of the kind of wild growing chives in prospect park and just put those over the top and man you got a great taste treat yeah <laughs> i've been talking about those chives lately um you know it's it's just wild garlic wild onion plant it's the same thing i mean why well, no, bother they're have, they're, i think they're like maybe five, at least in the area that i go to get them uh which is over by the jerk chicken place i don't know prospect <laughs> <laughs> It's right off of, you know, off of Flatbush in kind of the, the northern part of Flatbush. Are there ramps, too, in spring? Oh, I haven't seen the ramps because I would be going apeshit if I saw the ramps. That would but, be pretty crazy. But there are several. Kathy's right. There are so many different kinds of allium, which is what those are. There's garlic uh. chives. There's uh, these kind of like almost Wild like garlic. lemon chives. There's all these. They all have different flavors to them, and you can find them all in Prospect Just Park. don't pick something that looks similar to them, which is these oh, cylindrical no. things called the Star of Bethlehem, and it's poisonous. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. So, no, Sorry. don't go into Prospect Park and pick just, some chives. Just know ahead. Bring a guide. Check it out. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say go on photos only, too. Just... Wow, this is sounding really dangerous. How's it but smell? No, no, it's not, you know, because you're It does not, not smell like onion. So that's a good telltale sign. If it smells like an allium, like garlic or onion, 
then you're probably good so to go. So it doesn't smell like that at all. No, it just looks like those, you know, chives. So I think I know which one you're talking like. about, but yeah, you can tell it's not chives because it's given with fundamentally chives have a, a an open center mm-hmm. to them. So, you know, it's a hollow shoot, whereas right. I think this thing you're talking about is kind of more solid. So break it in half and make sure that it has a hole in the middle. Exactly. And it smells like like onions. So um, what about our agrarian over here? Do you know how to tell the difference or No, I've never heard of the Star of Bethlehem. Right. I haven't either. That's a, that's a wild plant. I mean, why would you bother planting it? <laughs> yes, it's of an course. invasive yeah. plant. Yeah. It's going to kill you and the rest of your other plants. <laughs> True. Have you guys ever gone mushroom hunting? I have, but only in the presence of another of a person that's more knowledgeable than me. But people claim that really the, the trick lies in just learning how to recognize three or four different species and going after them. So mm-hmm. I certainly, I've, I do a lot of hiking and I've never seen any morels. I mean, I would go, you know, apeshit if I did see them. But no, wouldn't that be great to like stumble upon some incredibly expensive? What, what I do recognize and have harvested is that a hen of the woods. Oh, yeah. Hen of the Woods. Yeah. yeah. Uh, My buddy Frank was getting those in Jersey. That, yeah, those yeah. were actually Chicken of the Woods. I remember I was on a... Oh, that's right. Or Chicken Mushroom. A, they have yeah. several yeah. different... Yeah. The Chicken and the Hen. <laughs> I think they're all named for the same thing. It, it's it's a thing that... It's a mass mushroom that just looks like... It can be like the size of a small dog. And it's like fluorescent orange, too. Yeah, it's kind of orangey-yellowy. And the beauty is that when you cook it up, that... Just like shred it and saute it. It looks exactly like pieces of chicken. It tastes like chicken too. It's meat. It's it tastes like tough chicken too. Mm-hmm. It's like stringy. the trick is that chicken doesn't taste like a hell of a lot. I mean, it's the styrofoam of meat substances. Well, actually, chicken should taste like a lot if you get some nice. Uh, yeah. Well fed. But it doesn't have like the taste of goat or something like that. That has a really distinctive flavor. It's right? not gamey. There's no. no funk. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the currently popular chicken breast. I mean, if you take away the skin and the bone, it, it might as well be Well, just those, like, you know, if you get your regular grocery store chicken breast, it's going to be pumped up with water anyway. And it's water. not, it's like barely, it's a, it's barely a, a living creature <laughs> by the, after, the, you know, the way they've treated it. So a lot of the times we, we regard these game birds, which are pheasant and, you know, squab, um, as really flavorful um, and having this distinct flavor, but they're not raised in the same manner in as much proportion uh, quantity as, as chickens tend right, to be. Right. So when you go to any given farm that might have pheasants or uh, what's it, quail or something like that, they're going to have more flavor just naturally because they were <clears throat> not kept in huge, you know, containers and of course and also the fact that um that the free-range chicken i mean i buy mine from uh from this craig that guy that comes down from husik falls Uh, and that chicken it is so flavorful and that's partly because it like gets exercise and also it's the feed they're not he's probably not feeding them kind of like some kind of industrial feed that's kind of made of corn if they get some protein in their diet all the better too um like Some worms, if they can mm, pasture worms. on worms, or um, back at, at Queens County Farm Museum, the um, the chickens used to eat oyster shells or idea. pick at them. Wow, that is that so locavoric. Yeah, it was from like Marlowe and, Do- and Sons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. You know what else are you gonna do with oyster shells? Because people are slurping them up and well, up, tossing up them in, out. Uh, in in like 
the Canarsie Indian area on the seaboard in Brooklyn. They're always digging up these middens and just the, <laughs> the, uh, the Indians loved oysters. I mean, they just like, there's oyster shells, you know, feet thick. And also Pyramids. from the early English and Dutch colonies too. It's, well, it's like free food and it's right there, at least it used to be. I think it's fascinating how somebody decided to open it because I love shucking oysters, but it's not intuitive at all. You kind of have to lean into it. I love shucking oysters, too. You have to be lucky, and you have to wish for the best when you go, like, make your stab. Like, make your... (laughs) It's just... We're we're laughing because we're we're segueing into the dating segment of the show by talking about thrusting (laughs) That's a good time to uh, get into the point of the show, which I kind of leave to the wayside sometimes. But you guys are, are game for anything, so... Let's talk about uh, uh, cooking and dating. Robert, you had some ideas for things. One of them is... No, go ahead. Go for it. Okay, I'm ready. Here we go. Um, Robert's got tons of ideas. (laughs) Unfortunately. um, One thing is, you know, maybe your objective is to be cooking at home for your date. But for all sorts of reasons, you don't necessarily want to cook for someone in the earliest stages of the relationship. It's the thing I hear all the time. Well, it's just because, you know, you don't want to invite some doofus into your house and discover you don't like him or that he doesn't like to eat or that he's like an axe murderer or something. I mean, you need to go out with someone a couple times before you invite them into the confines of your home. I mean, I'm sure that you've taken karate and everything. You could fend off any boy's advances. But still, I think... The the mother's advice from way back would be, you know, don't invite him into your house, like, ever, probably. But, I mean, I would say wait a date or two. and Or don't go into his house, for God's sake. Well, you can at least run out of his house. Well, you know, if, I don't if, know. What if he, like, sits down? What and if you're trapped like, in his lair? Well, <laughs> then you're really in bad shape. But with the modern cell phone, I think you could, like, lock yourself in the bathroom and, like, start sending out, like, SOSs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and your friends could come and break down the door. But, no, but there, I think... My only point is Do you think a date would steal something from your house? Well, he might, uh, or she might. But um, I think going out to a restaurant is a good way to kind of like meet someone on a neutral territory. I mean, I don't think you necessarily want to be... Like, I don't... When I meet people for the first time, I don't immediately invite them into my house. I mean, that happens when I know that I like them and I know that I can expect them to leave after being there for a while or whatever and... You know, you want to get to know somebody before you start cooking for them. So, so the first place should be a public place. That's a public the, place, and what yeah. better than a, than a meal to, like, you know, really see what's going on. Not only in a meal you can eat seductive foods, but also in a meal you can, like, get to know somebody and, and see how they react to food. Yes. I'm not saying that you should always like go out with people who think the same way you, you do, way you do about food at all, but you should at least not go out with a dyspeptic. I'm going to come back with devil's advocate answers to that one. Good, good, because, good. Because uh, that's just one of the all-consuming you know, questions that people have. Don't have a first date at home and cook at home and let's eat in and all that stuff. But we're going to stop with a, um, start with a musical interlude that Robert picked. What did you pick? Uh, it's a song called Barbecue, uh, and it was sent to me by my good friend, Charlotte Walton, who works at Merge Records. It's called Barbecue by Rendy, Wendy Renee. All right, let's do it.
we're back on Let's Eat In. I'm Kathy Arway, your host, and we're here with Robert Sietzema and Ben Flanner. Um, today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods, and it was engineered by Nat Wiener and produced by Jack Inslee at Heritage Radio Network um, here at Roberta's. And uh, we just listened to a really cool song, Barbecue, and by who? Wendy Renee. That was really cool. Please, are they like an old Googling. girl group? Or? I have no idea who they are. <laughs> I really right. liked it. That was It was cool. great. Yeah, good barbecue. song. Barbecue. Yeah. Well, especially you're going to South by Southwest, so you're going to be eating barbecue all over the place. You know, I kind of did that last year. I went to Lockhart, uh, Texas. I, I, I ate a lot of barbecue. Did, did you go to, um, did you go to uh, Smitty's I or went to Croix Smitty's Market or Black's or, or Chisholm I, Trail? You know, I yeah, I did this. So, um, were it, you suitably impressed, or I was? Are you I, I somebody was, that likes sauce with your barbecue? I wrote all about it. I was eating with uh, Zach Brooks from Midtown Lunch. Oh, nice! A lot of nice. barbecue, and I had a great time. Um, and you know, like the place, it's just a legendary places, and it seemed like the smoke had um, infiltrated these old places over like the Smitty's. You're talking about Smitty's, which is, yeah, yeah, which is like it's been a barbecue there for. Since 1900, and the walls are yeah. blackened with. I was going to say it yeah. has this patina of barbecue smoke. It's it's actually really it's like a museum. It's really yes. cool. But um, actually, my friends uh, from Eraser Shiny Knife, Michael Serino and Company, are going to have a vegetarian supper club dinner party to kind of like be an antidote to all the barbecue. Very nice. To eat. So what I'm going to be cooking for that. Great. What are you cooking? Um. A bunch of stuff. I can't even tell you. It's still in the works. We're going to get some local food down there. Cool. Figure it out. Yeah. So um, I was going to counter your... No, I was saying, just to just to fill the listener in who just joined us, um, I was saying that I don't think it's a good idea to invite a guy into your house right away to cook for him, <laughs> that I better to go to a restaurant the first time, and then when you find out how he responds to food or whatever, then you could invite him home. But like I say, what if he's dyspeptic? How about the first date as a drink? That could be good. How about the first date as a movie or a play? That would be fine. A music show. Yeah. But still, food is what this show is about. So food, kind of, we have to talk about. Yeah, good good idea. (laughs) How about a picnic in a park? That would be absolutely ideal. That would be, and that would be kind of halfway in between. It would be like you're using the outside as your own restaurant, and you're also providing food that you selected. However, how much better? I mean, I'm not into testing dates because I think that that's horrible. I don't think you should really try to find someone that's compatible with you at all. Just somebody that's interesting. Have a fun time. Yeah. So, but you could easily say, you know, uh, we'll each bring two things as a surprise. (laughs) I think that's a great idea. And not saying, and then you know, you might bring a foie gras torchon. And a uh, and an arugula salad made with wild arugula and like cherry tomatoes you grew yourself in one of those up t- upside down things, and he might bring uh, like uh, Doritos and I, uh, I, and Slim Jims. I'm laughing because I I remember a friend who's telling a story about how she brought something like Tostitos and salsa. <laughs> And this guy she went on a picnic with, just exactly as we described, <laughs> um, had brought something like some elaborate soup in a thermos. It was hot, and oh, he, no. it was it was. She was so like embarrassed to describe what was in it. He's like, "Yeah, put uh, uh, um, some ginger and uh, uh, cilantro." <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. So he was engaging in culinary overkill to try to impress overkill. her. Exactly. Yes. Uh, because the beauty of food, oh, it has to be the right thing at the right time. 
and and some incredibly elaborate soup on a first picnic date would be overkill. Well, I don't I know keep about it, that. I keep Could it I simple. Save it by picking wild um, scallions from Prospect Park. I think you could <laughs> eating fix them it right by on the chives. spot. Make your salad. Picking and bring your some nose oil. while you're eating the soup. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just. What? You know what? Any way you cut it, a first date is going to be a bit of a crapshoot. That's right. Yeah. Whatever you do, it's going to. It might suck totally. And if it's if it's, I think the chances of suckage are probably relatively high. Like ninety percent. Ooh. That echoes what Elaine said on Seinfeld, that like 90, 90% of the guys are undateable. Yeah. They're all just getting together yes. because of alcohol. That's right. They're on the same team. That was Jerry's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I miss that. Yes. Um, yes, it is. So, okay, yeah, the chance of suckage is high. But still, I, I think okay. to try to beat someone over the head with some overly creative... I mean, part of meeting a person halfway is thinking, well, maybe they have rather bland tastes. So make something that's really good and nicely salted, mm -hmm. but not something that's filled with kind of like pyrotechnics. I mean, yeah. Yeah. even and, even and as a person that loves food, if I went out on a date with a, f a girl that it hit me with something that like embarrassed me. Yeah. Ginger and cilantro, yeah. 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 So yes, no, you couldn't all... use ginger and cilantro in the same recipe. Come you could on. use one of those, not for a date. Yeah. Not for just not meeting for somebody. Day, we should yeah. all be listening to Robert because he's actually the only one out of the three of us who's married. That's because I'm a Midwesterner. We don't know how to like... You, uh, Ben's a Midwesterner too. too. Yeah. <laughs> You're not married? Not married. Oh. Un unmarried. Oh my goodness. Will you want me to look for someone for you? Or? <laughs> yeah, keep an eye on <laughs> This guy how is super you? eligible. He is like a dreamboat. I mean, as I'm sitting here, <laughs> there's girls pressing their face against the glass of the control room. I know who my friends are. <laughs> How did you win Gretchen over? Um, I had to chase her. I mean, I met her in uh, Madison, where I was in grad school, and she was an undergrad. I wasn't her TA, mm -hmm. but I met her, and she, like, hated me for the first three years. And then she moved to Boston, and I, like, went to see her a couple times. And then she moved to New York and said, if you want to be with me, you have to come to New York. And I said, I would never move to New York in a million years. Wow. As a Midwesterner, I'm, like, petrified of New York. Wow. So, But then she said, if you want to get with me, you have to, like go to New York and that was in the old days of the East Village and I when I first arrived like half the neighborhood was burned out it was just like <laughs> and there were people her Needles and all her friends out. from the tenement were sitting in this empty <laughs> burned out lot with a bonfire cooking like hot dogs or something it was like a, it was Kinda like, like this. Boy, so yeah, Boy Scout <laughs> troop from hell took Roberta's 25 minutes later <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yes just like this actually yeah science experiments going on the corner I don't know something what, what is, is fermenting I'm hoping it's like humongous LSD. gallons oh, on top honey. of a turntable that's, that's from Brandon's hive he just was harvesting the last couple okay of days. that's from ba brandon hoy's you, hive you can't make this kind of thing up no, this you is can't make this shit up yeah. yeah that was uh that was a colony that actually passed away over the summer no, not it from that bee disease thing CCD? yeah I, I don't know if he diagnosed it as as that i think they froze um we'll let brandon discuss that in detail but he shit. said it looked like looking at like the lost city of pompeii oh no so we're we're looking at hive collapse disease tanks so, uh, in yeah. the corner of this recording studio HCD. That are the poor relics of this hive. Right behind the boar's head. Right behind the boar's head. <laughs> and this that's not boar's head cold cuts. Bo the boar's head cold cut They're factory is like a block down. So, no, this is a real boar's head with one snaggly tusk. Yeah, so these are two different parts of the hive equipment. One of them is where they filter out the comb. You see that upper ledge with the comb? 
Yeah. And then pure honey down below, and then that's a centrifuge. Oh, man. Around. That's amazing. Can we get some honey? Should we go try some? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, what were we just talking about? Uh, we were at our first date picnic, which we decided Aww. was the perfect, uh, only in the good weather, though. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, everything's better in good weather. That's it's why true. I, I, I don't know. It's cozy, though. I mean, if you have a the means to have a campfire or you have a fireplace at home, then by all means, uh, that adds some kind of natural stuff. Uh, Another bias I have toward that is that I would really want to be with someone that was kind of an outdoorsy type who didn't want to just like sit at home all the time. So even creating like an active date situation rather than a passive one would be good. Well, exactly. That's why I think the cooking is more active rather than going out to eat. No, isn't a picnic more collecting than cooking? That's a good point, though. It is active. Yeah, yeah. Cooking. That's right. Well, if you could find a barbecue pit and cook during the day, imagine the delight of that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what, what you would cook. Uh, well, I I think if you wanted to telegraph foodiness, you'd like bring a small pig and break it down right there by the fire and like hoist some pork chops. <laughs> a whole suckling pig for two people. Why well, you'd not? you have leftovers, yeah. There you go. You could, ben, what you, would you, you make? cure something that you could yeah. cure the belly, rub salt on it with them. Well, that's, that's cool. Another thing like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you could use the lard to to cure it, and you kind of like whip it up for like, you know. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit to the stuff you could do. A fat moose for, yeah. <laughs> or, or you could collect grubs and barbecue those or something. <laughs> All right, take it from the only one who's married here. Make yes. some, uh, make a whole, take a whole suckling pig, use all parts. Well, why am I the only one married? I mean, isn't anyone getting married anymore? No. Hmm. Unfortunately. Ben, are you getting married? No, not anytime soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad one of us is married, though. Yeah. What would you cook on a date meal? What would I cook? Yeah. Um, I think... Hmm. <laughs> Let me think about that for a second. And this guy has cooked at that place you took me, the coffee shop. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. Greenpoint Coffee Shop. What Green happened to that? It's, it's dead. Well, yeah, that was a shame. The The lease ended. The landlord didn't want to re-sign the lease. And um, they ended up closing about a month early. You but guys were great. The food. It was guys, good, wasn't it? You guys killed it. It was really fun. I would have never. John Meyer over there. Everything was so good that came out of that kitchen. The kitchen was so small. The kitchen it was, was retardedly small. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I oh you that. can't say that. I, well, I, it was brutal. We yeah. were just on top of each other. And sometimes there'd be three cooks prepping. Plus a dishwasher in about 20 square feet. Let's put it this oh, yeah. way. The kitchen was intellectually challenged. I remember Robert and came people, back and he said, you guys are doing all that from here? Yeah. <laughs> it know, was amazing. It's funny because the, the first thing I hear from people who are like, oh, you cooked in for two years. Your kitchen must be huge. And like, you know, I never cook in because my kitchen is not that great or I don't have that much stuff. I'm like, you don't, you don't need anything. I mean, you guys busted out a whole ser- dinner service for, you know, 15 tables with some elaborate night. stuff with a lot of extra finishing oh the food was amazing you guys had that great um you know pasta dish and uh sure, you that's had what to, i'd make for a date uh pasta's Rom- good Rom- uh, romanesco pasta. with the sage pesto I'll, that's I'll good John's that's recipe good or putinesca if you oh, want to like t- telegraph 
Why puttanesca? Because it's spicy and it's well, pungent you know and fishy. Puttanesca means it's like no. It's the horror. The horror's sauce. What? The the idea is that that women <laughs> women of prodigious appetites like things that are Put- salty and fishy and you know yeah. or maybe it I don't know what puttanesca means in that context but yes it's it's supposed to be symbolic and it's powerful because the idea is that that kind of food is supposed to be like sexual in a way it's supposed to be lusty is what they call red sauce to Italian food because it's 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 fishy and it's spicy and yes pungent. exactly and that's supposed to be like sour and yeah. flavors of sex I guess uh, whoa. What about puntarellas? You know that that uh, Italian green. Yes, just, same yes. word. I just started some puntarellas. Did you? <laughs> that sounds like punta. With an N, punta. I got Kathy to laugh. This is getting a little out of hand. Okay, sorry, so yes. I think that's what you should cook <laughs> on your date meal. I don't know if well, I would. You cook make that. you make puntarella, and I'll make putnesca. Putnesca. Right, there we go. I need to research my Italian a little bit more to figure out what I would make. Uh, No, but all that kind of food is supposed to be like good date food. It's supposed to be a kind of an aphrodisiac. Well, I definitely hear spicy. Remember, we started talking about oysters. That's another thing, man. I would bring oysters to a date and like shuck those things up and eat the oysters. That's That's a classic. You can do that in California, in Northern California. They have these oyster beds where they have like places where you sit down at picnic tables and as they dredge the oysters up, you like open them. They give you the knife. They give you the hot sauce. You bring a bottle of wine and man, it is just fantastic. What a wholesome activity. You know what? That would be my first date meal. Just guys, get some like, you know, the best oysters from Long Island or wherever. Some are close. Get them on ice. And then shuck them open because I think that that's really impressive to (laughs) just like. It's not that hard, but if you practice like once with one of you, first of all, you must have a shucking knife. Which is like a knife that's like really thick. It's but just kind a of blunt. It's like a glorified. Yes. It's just a blunt. <laughs> and one of those thick rubber gloves, and then anything you do will be fine. Like if yeah. you slip, it doesn't yeah. go through your hand. I, I stood outside the Blue Ribbon on Fifth Avenue in Park Slope once and watched this guy shucking oysters for like it's amazing with with Eric Sherman. We just sat there and watched this guy just cranking them out, dipping his knife each time. Oh, man. In Louisiana, they have, like, a big uh, contest where they have an official... Shuck off. They have yeah. an official best and second best oyster shucker. Best shucker. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it is a professional thing to, to get an oyster. I mean, anyone can open an oyster, but if you're a professional, you can do it without, like, no leaving shells. little bits of shell. Yeah, that's the thing. But... Professional shuckers also know that that a an oyster just weeps fluid. So don't lose you, the juice. Yeah. Well, but you can also if you just wash when you shuck it open. If you wash the bits of oyster shell out of there by osmosis, it makes more juice immediately. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so you don't don't worry if you I lose that, that first juice because really you're going to get more. I'm always yeah, paranoid yeah. about losing. The well, juice. better to get Good better to get rid of the shell in there. Uh-huh. You know, because that. I mean, I rarely, rarely see uh, really professional shuckers in restaurants around the city. I mean, I often, even in fancy places, they they act like it's just a skill that every line cook should know. And the fact of the matter is that real oyster shuckers are real oyster shuckers. Sure. They're sure. mother shuckers. I mean, they are so good. Well, they have to do it quick. A friend was using an oyster shell as a soap dish the other day. Nice, nice. Cool. Or ashtray as the standard, you know. Yeah. What, what if you find a pearl? They've got to. They've got to have some more uses to them. I mean, it's an oyster. Like you know, you can make a shell midden in your backyard. Well, no, what about all these people making uh, using that uh, chemical? If you blacken it, then it becomes that calcium carbonate thing. And, oh yeah, calcium carbonate. And then color? you use it to make soap with yeah. like cast off uh, lard and tallow and stuff. So, mm, so even oyster the, soap. Or maybe that's clam shells. 
Whatever. I'm it's lost. The, the, the chemist didn't come to the show tonight, but we were I guess that's the next step. Like, yeah. uh, soap and the aphrodisiac powers of, you know, aromatherapy. Well, that's in the, not that the Palaccio Empire, that Jory MD is making soap out of the lard that, that uh, you know, that they have left over from fatty crab and all that stuff. Uh, moisturizing, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Imagine Extra rubbing super. lard into your hand. How delightful that would be. Yeah. Keep you warm, too. Yeah, well, that's right, yes. <laughs> All right, so we heard it from the only guy who's married here, Robert Chichima. Happily and married. Yes. Well, so happy to hear the story about you hunting down Gretchen between several that's right. states. It's adorable. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. She's a Wisconsinite, too. So. Nice. You've been in New York f- since then for like 20-odd years or so. Yeah. I know. Um, Sorry. Okay, now you're getting a call. Uh, we got to wrap up, so thanks again, Heritage, Jack, and Nate, and Nat, sorry. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, ben Flanner, thanks again to you, and uh, I'm your host. Totally, thanks for coming. I'm your host, Kathy Arway. We'll see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>